Yes. So the topic for this evening is neurosis, hysteria, psychosis, and schizophrenia, which are all very nice topics to talk about uh, in, a, in a Jungian context. I will talk about these exclusively in a Jungian context. This is the C.G. Jung help desk, uh, which is purely Jung and where I talk about Jungian concepts in the clearest and purest sense possible. Because I realized that when you experience Jungian concepts, that you have a little bit muddled the concepts. It seems to be always something missing or the person is interpreting something into them. So I want to have something that is, let's say, very pure. And normally how these events go, I do a little bit of a presentation in the beginning of the event about the topic of the event. And then afterwards, there's a little discussion, Q&A segment to talk about it. And also what your thoughts, experience, or knowledge is. So I will repeat again. This is not medical advice. This is in, should not be used in any way to diagnose or treat these diseases. This is just a purely intellectual endeavor. So, but I think I've told it often enough. I also wrote it in the description. So I will go right into it. We are, when we would stay now with this metaphor of the rooms, in a very big room of Jung's life. And this would be his early life, his life when he studied in Basel and finished, of course, his studies there and then worked there as a professor and at the same time practiced in a clinic called Burkhursley and also had his own practice where he would help people with psychological problems. And this he would do um, for his whole life to practice and help people with these troubles. But the teaching part, he would stop the end of, end of 30 because there was a huge shift in, in his life. When he finished his studies and established himself through research and publication of papers in this very new field of psychology, he came into contact with very new concepts. And this one new concept of psychoanalysis pioneered by Freud. And he could immediately see the value in the stuff that Freud said and proposed, especially about the unconscious. And he could verify a lot of these concepts and findings that Freud had in his own research, his own publications. So they met, they got to know each other, and the first meeting took 13 hours of them talking nonstop. And out of that, a friendship developed. Freud was way older than Jung, already over 20 years older. And he had uh, written shortly before the interpretation of dreams, which is a very interesting and very well-structured book that takes dreams extremely serious, which is one of the foundations of psychoanalysis to look at these as a diagnostic tool and to use it to help people. And in this time, they formed a close friendship. They traveled also together to America. They talked with each other about their dreams. And this went on for roughly six to seven years. And with time, they separated because the interest was different. And they diverged. Freud was very fixated on the incest complex and sexuality and complexes and so on. And Jung was more interested in, let's say, cultural stuff, religion, mythology, occult stuff, astrology. 
in a sense that these are also psychic products and they tell us things about the psyche. For Freud, the psyche is purely personal. And Jung saw more in the psyche. And the topic of the event for today plays in this early part of life. And it bleeds over to, to the second part of his life also. Because after that, after the breakup with Freud and when he stopped teaching and tried to find his own way, as he said, he got interested in this collective unconscious. And these are the topics that Jung is very famous for, like the shadow, the anima, the animus, the self, individuation, and so on. And the last part of his life, and this is a very big chunk, is alchemy, which is very hard to get into. But we will stay in this earlier time of his life. And so there will be a lot of terms that are used in psychoanalysis or in analytical psychology, which is the, let's say, concept that Jung birthed that didn't put sexuality in the center of patients. Throughout his life, all the stuff that Jung has done builds on top of each other. This means everything he's talking about, even with anima, animus, and so on, it's in a strong psychoanalytic foundation. So it's good to delve in these basics to understand where he's coming from and where his interests lie and how he came to certain conclusions. And when we talk about psychoanalysis, and I already hinted at it before, we have at the very center a um, psychic phenomena called complex. And a complex is, let's say, a little bit like a gremlin in the mind, something that is there and causes trouble. Jung would describe it as having an emotion that is associated with certain associations. This means when you have this saying of pushing someone's buttons, when you know somebody very well, you know what words not to use, otherwise you might upset them. You can do it, of course, offensively with direction, especially in an argument when you are angry. But this means that there is not this unity in the psyche that's normally to be thought of, that everything is well-lit, well-known. But there are certain parts that lie in the dark and that the person is ignoring about themselves in their psyche. And these words trigger this emotion out of the person. And it's a little bit like an organism that's autonomous in the mind. Jung loves this notion of autonomous things in the psyche because the normal idea is I am me. I know everything about me. So nothing can really happen that would surprise me in myself. So outside in the world, everything can surprise me because a plane can crash, accidents can happen, things outside of my control. But in the psyche, the normal notion is, let's say the materialist notion is, there can't be anything surprising. And this is one pillar of psychoanalytic thought that you are not the lord in your own house, that there are things happening that you're not aware of. And like the smallest thing that can happen which you're not aware of are complexes. This is just something that is a sign of a little bit of maladjustment or something that you can't really process. So something, for example, happened and you don't know how to deal with it. And you, it's same like an open wound. You want to avoid it because it, it causes you trouble and psychological pain. So a complex is associated with strong emotions. And this can be in a very obvious way that you get agitated, that you get shallow breathing, that you start sweating, there's like bodily reactions. 
or that you get agitated and heated up in your whole demeanor. But it could be also the other way around, that suddenly when this topic comes up, that you completely lose interest in it. You don't want, really want to pursue it. And say, oh, no, I don't want to think about it. This is a reaction to something that is painful, that you try to push it away, to ignore it, to forget it, but it's still there and it's acting. Having complexes in itself is not a problem. This is something completely normal. A good example would be the human body has constant cancer cells that are get produced. This is just when you have the splitting of the cells and the reproduction of the cells that some of them can be copied wrong incorrectly and they could form cancer cells and the immune system takes out these cells. So it's not a problem that cancer cells get generated because it's happening all the time, every day. It doesn't matter really the age. The important thing is you have the immune system that takes care of that. And in, when you get older and the immune system gets weaker and weaker, it's more likely that these cancer cells don't get destroyed, but that they set somewhere and they grow. And it's the same with a complex. A complex is just that you encounter something that you don't know how to deal with it. So it keeps you a little bit on the edge. So that's the normal thing. You come to the world and you're not prepared for the world. You have to learn it. You have to go through childhood and school and university and you have to learn how to be a good child, how to be a good friend, how to be a good partner and all those stuff you have to learn. And this is a painful experience. And it's all of these complexes which are the not something negative but rather the potential for growth that something new is growing inside you that you need to be able to integrate which is a view that Jung has of complexes so when becomes a complex a problem it's when it becomes pathological pathological i looked it up in the webster dictionary being such to a degree that is extreme excessive or markedly abnormal so it's okay when you see a sad movie and you cry but if you cry for hours and days, it's pathological. It's outside of the normal. So everything normal can be pathologized. It's a little bit like the saying that the amount makes the poison. It doesn't matter what you eat. It can be perfectly normal. But if you consume too much, you could die from it. Water you need every day. But if you drink too much water, it will accumulate in the soft tissue. And you have a lot of soft tissue in the brain. And in such way, you can really damage your brain and die. There was a very sad story about when the Nintendo Wii came out, there was a competition. I think it was in Great Britain. It was called Wii for a Wii, which is a clever play with words. And there was a young mother. She wanted to win the Wii for her children. So she wanted to go to the toilet a lot and she drank a lot. She drank so much that she died from the swelling of all the brain tissue. So pathological brought to the extremes. And when this pathological path takes place, it's often because things are not dealt with. It's the same with when you don't bring out the trash. It just starts to accumulate and you have to bring it out from time to time. Otherwise, you get rodents, you get the smell, you get disease and so on. Everything is fine as long as you take regularly out the trash. When you have a complex and you're not taking care of it, it can develop into a neurosis. And this is the first word of four words of the event topic. And Jung describes it exactly as that, as a developmental disturbance. Things you have not taken care of 
you're still dragging around like a backpack full of problems that drag you down and hinder your movement because you're not taking care of it. It's all the trash accumulating. And one thing, of course, is when you're not really adapted and adjusted to the world, if you are in your mind still infantile, when you're still in the family unit, you're a grown-up person, but mentally you're still a giant, you're too attached to the parents still. And you have to get out of your parents' basement. And this is what Freud has mainly been doing. This was psychoanalysis, to get people to go outside into the world and to establish themselves, to find the mother in a partner for a man and find the father in a job or career, to have these images, which are normal for everyone to have, but to utilize them in a useful manner that's good for the person. And it's this lack of development that starts pushing because the, you're following with your life a certain path that is given by the unconscious. Jung calls this individuation. I won't get too deep into that in this event, but basically there are certain development steps you have to take. And if you don't take them, you're still pushed by, by the psyche. And this disconnect between the situation, how it is and how it should be, causes a rift. Same as a complex has a rift in your psyche as that it's not attached to your consciousness but happening outside of it this rift can get bigger and bigger this is doesn't have to be the fault of the person it can be bad upbringing can be bad education bad experiences stuff that are normal in the sense that they're just happening and no one can really control it especially when you're in the situation experiencing them especially when you're a small child or when you just don't know better but to Move past this is the important part. And here Jung again says it's no problem to be neurotic. He describes neurotic really as a state of doubt, lack of meaning, lack of energy. He said that the complex is gathering and feeding like a like cancer cell on the energy that is available. So there's less for you because the other thing takes it up. And to provide people with meaning and context and so on is already helping them to overcome this neurotic state and neurotic doesn't mean that it's only happening when you're young it can also be when you're old it's just that you're not able to move past this situation that you're in and this is of course exacerbated when you deny the problem when you don't want to accept when you keep away because it's of course painful but you have to deal with it so this delays the whole process and this makes it worse and worse and worse. And I have a pretty good example. If you really want to see a movie about how problems get worse and worse and worse because you're not dealing with them, it's the movie Jaws by Steven Spielberg, which is about a police officer, Brody, who moved from a big city where he got afraid as a policeman into, let's say, the idyllic town that you could imagine with beautiful beaches and there's no problems and all he's doing as a police chief is fixing fences and so on. But suddenly in the summer, news come that a shark is near the shore. Normally there are never sharks in this area. And everybody tries to argue now, oh, no, this is a bad time, holiday season is coming up and so on. And he also doesn't really believe it. But then all these accidents happened and he becomes more and more convinced that there is something and nobody is listening to him. But he's still very inactive. So people are in danger, but he's just watching. He's not taking care of it. 
And it goes so far that in the middle of the movie, his son gets attacked. And this is what the psyche is basically doing to you. He is in the same situation that he's running away from danger and problems. And in the city, this was just criminals and police work, but he ran away. But you can't really run away from, let's say, fate and your development. So this materialized in the form of the shark and the shark is getting closer and closer and closer to him. And it's only when he starts to voluntarily confront the shark in the second part of the movie that he's able to control this. And in the end, he has to kill the shark because the shark is there because of him. This is a metaphorical, symbolical interpretation of the movie. But it is this exhibition that you, when you don't take care, it will exhibate and it will follow you around. And Jung says, having complexes is normal. Being neurotic is also normal for certain periods of times. It's a fixation when this stays around and sticks around. This is the problem. And how you deal with this is through the ways that already Freud proposed. And this is a talking cure to talk about it, to be open about it. And Jung says a complex can't be overcome until it's fully experienced. You have to go there where it hurts. And you have to push through these emotions and experience it and get just used to it. The problems don't go away, but your attitude, the hole doesn't disappear, but you can find your way around it. It's this how you can overcome it. And one thing psychoanalysis is very famous for is this notion that the problem lies in the past, right? And there's something wrong in the childhood. This is example as I had with you have a bad upbringing, bad parents, something traumatic happened to you. But Jung said this is a little bit more like a phenomena than the real reason. He said it's, it's difficult to, to get to real reasons. When you want to talk about problems, the main problem is to find out what the problem is. This is, again, with the mousetrap. As soon as you're really approaching the complex and getting to the heart of things, you start to lose interest, you want to go away, and so on. This is why such a tremendous amount of suffering is involved. And what he noticed was that the patients would suddenly start talking about their childhood all by themselves. Freud, in the beginning of psychoanalysis, thought that this means that the problem is in childhood. But even he later admitted that the problem is not really the childhood, but rather that this is the first thing that the patients are thinking about. And Jung explained it like this, that you're hitting a developmental wall and all this energy you call libido that's normally pushing you forward in life is at an obstacle that you can't surpass. So it flows back. It's like water and stemming up against the wall. So it moves back in time and back to your development. And suddenly all this stuff gets activated that lays way in the past. And the psyche tries to come up with ways and analogies to come past the situation by looking in the this current situation by looking at the past. That's why Jung always stressed, okay, the, the problem is now today. When somebody has tuberculosis today, the reason is not that they got infected with the bacteria when they were young. There's something in the present which is a problem and something in the present that they have to overcome. The effect of this reactivation of past contents is called regression, by the way. Also an often used term in psychoanalytic practice. Ideal case, your neurotic phase is rather short and can take care of it by itself as it's just a normal developmental process. And Jung stresses this. 
a complex or neurosis is a healing mechanism. He compares a lot of the psyche with the body. So when you're sick and have a fever, the fever is not the disease. The virus is a disease. The fever is a way of fighting the virus. In the same way, it's with complexes and with neurosis. It's a way of the psyche to deal with problems and to heal you and to yeah, bring you into your next stage of development. But you have to participate consciously. So this is your responsibility in the situation. So it doesn't resolve by itself. It gets, it lays by the wayside, it gets worse. In that case, it becomes hysteria, which is a state where this complex has become so strong that it basically becomes a second personality. There's already an autonomous core in a complex that causes it to, or enables it more to act through you. So when you have a complex, it can also show through accidents. You're not paying attention at the right moments. You're misstepping, you're forgetting, and so on. That's because the complex supping up these capacities from you. And if this gets stronger, this complex grows bigger and bigger and can become a second personality, which can express itself in hysteria. And this can be so overpowering that it basically takes control over the body. The consciousness is pushed aside and the complex takes over the second personality. And the characteristic of hysteria is a magnification of personality traits. So you have a personality that means you're already prone to act in certain ways, to put focus on certain parts of reality and things that might interest you and the way you interact with the world. And this gets magnified. So if somebody has already cruel tendencies, they become even crueler. But if somebody is easy to bring to tears, they will, they will whine even more. And it's this exacerbation that is very symptomatic in the way that a complex has an emotional core. And this is exacerbated in hysteria as it comes out more often and stronger. Another symptom for hysteria, Jung says, is excessive lying. To lie very often and to manipulate the environment to get certain reactions. For example, to pretend to have certain illnesses or just ailments of the body to gather sympathy. And he says bodily, these illnesses that they talk about are not real, but they're real to the hysteric. They're making the up, but they are also believing it at the same time. They're exacerbating, again, certain aspects in an unnatural degree. And same as with the neurosis, they don't want to touch what really is the reason for this, the real the core of the complex. So they will always come up with excuses. This is part of this excessive lying. They will say, ah, well, they are ill, they are overworked. There are all these external factors that are all meant to distract from what really the problem is. Because approaching the root cause is, is extremely painful. So if somebody is giving away freely <laughs> what their problem is, it's likely not the problem. So here with neurosis, complexes, and hysteria, we are still in the realm 
of things that are curable, as all these things are still related to the person itself. Jung would say this all plays in the personal unconscious. He structures the psyche in a certain way where he says, I have the ego. This is basically me as a person experiencing the world, living through the world. And my consciousness is everything that's related to the ego. This is everything that you know about you, like what you've done, what you know, what you can do, um, everything that's available to you. He calls this associations. It's like a network and everything is connected with the ego. And only as long as it's connected, doesn't matter the pathway, how long, with the ego, it is conscious. And this means you can assert will and do things voluntarily and you also can't do things voluntarily that you abstain from doing things. It's a sign of willpower to intentionally forgo doing things. Everything outside of that is unconscious. Unconscious meaning it's not connected to the consciousness, it's not connected to the ego. And this is a lot. Basically everything in the world <laughs> is unconscious in the sense that it's not really connected to you. So you can learn, you can evolve and improve by accumulating more in your consciousness. And this unconscious has two big areas, he says. One is the personal unconscious. That is everything that could be related to you, but isn't. For some reason, he says it's just an unlucky accident that things are in the personal unconscious. For example, you have bad qualities or bad experiences and all those complexes you don't want to deal with that are related to you because it's things are you or happen to you or should be involved in your life, but you're pushing them away. Those get pushed to the personal unconscious. So both or all three things of complex neurosis and hysteria all play in this field of things that are related to you and they can be brought back in the sense that in the talking cure and therapy and psychoanalysis they're openly talked about and there's a connection brought to them you reflect about them you talk about them, and this is how you make the associations and this is how you do the connections and bring them out of the unconscious into your consciousness and this is how you remove them of their power to be autonomous because they're only autonomous because they're in the person unconscious because they're not dealing with them. So, in a sense, all of this is still healable. But Jung goes further, especially in his practice when he was at Berkhursley. He got confronted with people with very severe diseases, psychosis, and especially schizophrenia, back then called dementia, precox. And here he says it's, it's different. And this is the other part of the unconscious. So you have your personal part, but then you have impersonal things. And this can be described as human nature. This is a collective unconscious. These are things you're given a priori, certain just instincts, motives, images. He compared a lot of cultures, stories, mythology, religion, spiritual happenings to see commonalities. And he saw so many commonalities that he said, okay, there's something when you have a human being around and they imagine something and they fantasize that there are certain images that come up regardless of time, regardless of place. And you see this really in different cultures, especially in mythology and religion. 
that certain ideas, they just pop up again and again. And he said, okay, this is innate. This is something every human being has. And it is a consequence that this will pop up, especially in culture. But this popping up, he saw as one of the main reasons for these other two terms of the name of this event, psychosis and schizophrenia. He said that there are, there are contents that can come up through the psyche that are so strange and so unfamiliar that they either generate extreme fear or extreme fascination. And while neurosis or hysteria or a complex is like a little devil that bugs you and that like a little gremlin I said in the beginning, that's just messing with the things you want to do and messing with your life and messing with your emotions. There is something else happening with those other two, psychosis and schizophrenia, as that there are certain contents that suddenly come up and take the place of reality. And this strangeness and the panic it causes in the people brings them to isolate. And this is one big problem he saw in the modern world, that in the past, religions, mythology, stories, culture, it was like a storehouse of images um, that help people to regulate these foreign influences of their own psyche coming up as showing something that is familiar. Because he said the biggest problem is people having suddenly visions and they are foreign and they are overwhelming and they don't know where they're coming from and they are strange and they are thinking that they are alone and they're the first people to really experience that and they can't talk with people about it because they say people will think I'm crazy. And he had such patience who said, Dr. Jung, I'm seeing this and that, and it's, it's crazy, it can't be real, and, but it's bugging me the whole time, and I don't know what to do. And he would tell them about mythology and religion and all the stuff that already happened. In one case, he even showed the guy an alchemical treaty and said, here, this is not your idea, you're not the first one to experience this. Here's somebody who experienced it 400 years ago, and here's it written. And his person sees it and he knows that they're not alone. This bringing back of people into the world, into societies, Jung said, is one of his main tasks because it's easy to get isolated. Because all these cultural safety nets, my, these storehouses of images, they're gone and they're not taught and they're not available anymore. They're also old, so they have to be regenerated. But that's a topic for another event. He saw there the main problem, because when you don't talk about it, you don't bring them into a useful way. You're pushing them away, same as with neurosis and with hysteria. And this opening up is the problem. And this is how a psychosis can form being overwhelmed by these influences. And same as before, if you're not dealing with it, it gets worse or can become worse. And then it's becomes so overwhelming that it's basically rupturing the unity of the psyche that's normally held together by consciousness. Your own experiencing and living is held together by consciousness, by the things you do and things you can do and things you plan to do. But with schizophrenia, this all breaks apart. All those psychic functions are not held together anymore by consciousness, but they are little splitters that are not related to each other, that they're acting independently of each other. There's no unity. 
he describes it as that the outside world completely disappears for the people. They suddenly start to show reactions on the outside world. They just they seem to be completely unavailable, and they're in a dreamlike state. And he describes this. And what you normally have when you're dreaming, these people have it all the time. It's just strange images and occurrences one after the other. And it's all on one side fascinating, but also panic-inducing. And he says that it's also this fascination that can suck people in as they get fascinated by all this stuff and they get lost and lost and lost and more in that. Because it's impersonal, it's hard to incorporate it. That's normally the work of culture, but the cultural safety nets might be missing. And this fracturing of the mind is what's also happening in a smaller degree with a complex and this is a work of therapy to integrate it back in to gather all the parts that are you should be you could be you and integrate it into you but at a certain point everything can become so distributed so fractured that there's no way to get it all together that's that's why he said he thinks in principle schizophrenia is also able to heal and there are stories of him that he's treated and healed schizophrenics but he said it's incredibly difficult and takes incredible long amount of time just to get people to react to the outside world and to gather all the stuff and to get the ego strong enough to deal with it again it's not you can't sit down the person and just read them out of the bible and say oh now everything will be fine it's not the way how it works but it's a long and difficult process as jung describes it and one thing that is normally known about schizophrenia, at least in popular culture, is this idea of the multiple personality, of the split of this, that the parts don't know of each other because there's no connections between them. Also, of this hearing of voices, he thought of as really having parts of yourself so removed that normally this internal dialogue that you have with yourself starts to feel that it's something else. This part is just broken off and it tries to contact you, but it's words and it's just one part of you. This is the potential overwhelming influence of the collective unconscious as it can bear down on individual people. Of course, it's this occurrence of the collective, as he describes, that led him also to find this collective unconscious and to hypothesize about it. Because when he started to work, he, of course, talked to the people and recorded a lot of stuff. And he also said, oh, okay, this is all strange. This is, really doesn't make any sense. But the longer he worked, he started to find similarities between these stories, but also all the knowledge he had about religion, mythology, spiritual stuff, and so on. And he said, there are people that are completely uneducated, but suddenly they have Gnostic ideas or extremely ancient mythological ideas. And it was this that pointed him to the fact that this is not just random gibberish, but it's like the basis of the human psyche, where this foundation where everything is on. And it's only when the top part ruptures that the bottom part can come through. And the bottom part pushes so hard that it ruptures the top part. And this is where you can see the mechanics and what's really in the bottom of the psyche happening. And those are all his hypotheses. And this is reflected in his works throughout his life. And 
this would be my little presentation about these, I don't want to call them stages, but let's say different phenomena of the psyche and how he thinks, how they happen and what the symptoms are and, and how far they could be cured or not. Of course, this is all old. This is very old, early beginning of psychology and psychotherapy ideas and thinking. I'm 100% sure today there are more directed methods also with medication. But back, back then, to have this thought of thinking, okay, these are still people, normal human beings, was already revolutionary. Because before that time, they simply locked people away and did nothing with them. They had crazy people and what you did, you locked them away and waited till they die. So they were in just some cellar and horrible facility with ill treatment and bad food and no supervision. They were just really locked away like animals. And psychoanalysis said those people are not damaged goods. The main idea back then was really, ah, oh, they have a brain damage, so there's nothing we can do. It's like a car, ah, oh, the motor is done, so just push it to the side and wait till it rusts away. And he said, no, the people that don't have brain damage, they have psychological problems that can be healed through psychological means. That means through talking and pushing through the emotions. And this was completely revolutionary. And the conditions for these people improved way, way, way better than before. And for this, back then, revolutionary, but this is really, really 100 years old. So I'm pretty sure that there are further advancements made, but I can't really talk about it because, as I said, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychotherapist, and we strictly keep with the Jungian notions. But I think by talking about this, exemplified very well some Jungian concepts and how they are related. Because that's a big fun of Jung, how everything is related. Because everything is related and very often in a very cool manner. So I hope this was informing and not overwhelming. So if you have any questions, notes or experiences uh, you would like to exchange, this would be now the open discussion part of, of the event.